Hello, everyone. This is DJ Ambush of the Numbers and X-Ray FM. In Portland, four of the five city council seats are on the ballot. There's a chance that not only will the city council become majority people of color, but there is a chance that three of the five seats will be filled by black leaders. And I'm Jefferson Smith. I'm with Ambush. Mingus Maps is in a runoff with incumbent Chloe Udaly for position four on the city council. Mingus received 28 and a half, actually 28.65% of the votes, just 5,700 votes behind incumbent Chloe Udaly. That forced a runoff. That primary drew over 200,000, more like 212,000 votes for position four. And there's going to even be more votes in November. So it's anybody's race. Today, Mingus Maps is here with us to discuss the race. Also, probably discuss the current discussions around racial justice and Mingus Maps' vision for Portland. Welcome back, sir. Thank you for having me. I always love to be on your show. There is a moment right now, even to call it a moment might cheapen it, a movement that is well underway. Attention can be focused towards deep, hopefully lasting impact. Where do you want to focus people's attention? Oh, sure. Well, thank you for this question. And it is true. This is um, really a historic and pivotal moment. I'm an African-American man, and I can feel the weight of the moment and the stakes of this moment. Um, I'm grateful to have this opportunity to um, talk to Portlanders about what this moment means. Um, And what I'm trying to talk about right now um, and keep us focused on as a community is racial justice. You know, the the work of building a more perfect union is not done until all of us are equal. Uh, um, And I wanna get us to continue to work on that. I also wanna emphasize peace. Um, You know, as an African-American, one thing I know is that racism fundamentally rests on a foundation of violence. And so if we want to dismantle racism, one of the things we need to do is reject violence in all of its forms. Um, The other theme I'm talking about right now is accountability, Uh, both individual accountability and institutional accountability. So I think we need to hold our police department accountable for providing the best service possible. And I think we need to hold each other accountable for um, constructively engaging in our political processes. Um, I also want to think, you know, I want to fundamentally remake our police department. This is a unique opportunity here. I see that. Let's get this done. Um, I'm excited about going in and reworking the uh, police contract and the rules governing policing. I think this is our opportunity to fundamentally rethink public safety, and I'll be doing that. And the other thing I want to do is just remind people that the COVID crisis is still with us. And COVID is also um, an issue of racial justice. But people who are most likely to get sick and die from this disease are people of color. I think Oregonians may have forgotten that actually we have not conquered this disease yet. Indeed, we have given back most of the progress we've made over the past two months. So please be careful there. Uh, uh, I encourage you to go out on the streets and thank you for doing that. But let's remember to social distance. Let's remember to wash our hands. Let's remember to wear those masks. And let's remember to uh, remember um, our most vulnerable Portland, uh, uh, both because of uh, immunity status and because of color. Mingus, there's a lot of energy around, you know, everything that's happening right now. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on how some of that energy can be galvanized towards uh, organizing around the vote in the census? Oh, gosh. Um, yes. Well, you know, I, I'm a, for those of you who might not know me, I'm a political scientist by training. So what I've done for most of my life is to kind of train people about how government works and how to engage government. Um, the protests out of the street, off streets are uh, incredibly important. They've created this window of opportunity. Uh, but the close on that window of opportunity, uh, you know, it, it doesn't end at 11 o'clock at night. You know, you actually have to go to those public meetings. We have budget hearings uh, and city council set meetings happening literally I think right now, um, as we're taping this, um, that's where we're going to make decisions about uh, um, policing and public policy. So uh, please remember to pay attention to not only what happens outside City Hall, but also what happens inside City Hall and the census. This is one of my deep concerns, too. I'm kind of a from my academic research and training, uh, I, uh, I know how important the census is. It both gives us a picture of ourselves, and this is a great time to look inward, to get a sense of what America looks like these days. And it also makes um, our place an incredibly important role in terms of how we allocate 
federal and state and local dollars. Uh, um, so I want to, I'd love to have this opportunity to remind everyone to fill out those census forms. You can actually do it online. I did it a couple of weeks ago um, and it only took 10 or 15 minutes. Um, it is one of the most powerful things that you can do to um, actually help your community um, help itself. So please jump online, get that done. I'm afraid it's going to get lost in the COVID thing and the protest thing. It's one of these uh, important background issues that we just got to take care of. Mingus, off top, I do want to ask this because I know it's been in the news and I know you've addressed it at least to some degree, but I haven't heard you talk about it. You, you probably have, but I haven't heard it. Yeah, yeah. You took a, you took a $15,000 contribution from the Portland Police Association. We, yeah. just, we just swapped out the chief. I'm going to want to ask you about that, too. We've had uh, six chiefs since 2015. We've had one ahead of the Portland Police Union since 2010. A bunch of strong and I would argue progressive candidates have done likewise, have accepted contributions from the Portland Police Union. Uh, What were your thoughts when that transaction was happening? Sure. Well, you know, um I think the police union endorsed me um, and actually it's an in-kind contribution. So it's not a cash contribution. That's one of the things that's kind of fun, funny about it. Um, yeah. They sent out a mailer. I get that. And and I know, and, and I've read some of your response, but I'm just curious about sort of the mindset of the discussions with them sure. when it was going down, like when that discussion started happening. Oh, sure. Um, well, I, you know, I've been a leader and an activist on public safety issues for a long time. I've been an innovator around bringing community policing uh, uh, to Portland. Um, if you're the kind of cop who goes to community meetings, you probably know me because I'm the guy who's you know one of the regular suspects at the community meetings trying to pull together people to solve hyper-local problems. And one of the things that I've always tried to do over the course of my career is to bring all the stakeholders to the table. Um, and you know, for me, you know, I always reach out to, you know, regular Portlanders and to the business district and to uh, the church and to uh, clergy and to, you know, cops, um, because I think we all really solve problems in Portland is to kind of come together um, and use our best energies and use our best talents to, you know, solve collective problems. Um, I think that the rank of file police officers who are out there on the streets too know me for doing that. They know I'm a smart and constructive guy. Um, they know I've been a leader around bringing community policing to um, uh, to East Portland and bringing crime prevention to the whole city of Portland. Uh, you know, a thing that I think is, gets lost here is that no one in Portland is happy with our public safety. Uh, you know, residents don't like it, uh, people of color don't like it, and frankly, cops don't like it either. Um, one of the things I've been trying to offer, and it's, it's the thing that kind of got me in this race to begin with, is a new vision of um, taking care of each other as a community. I think that one of our problems over time is that uh, we have made the cops the center of our public safety system, and I think they should be a partner, uh, um, but we should, they shouldn't be the hub. Um, and frankly, I think that's something which rank-and-file cops know. Um, I think they want a champion who can actually change things, and um, you know, I'm trying to lead that discussion. I also think of myself as a bridge builder, um, and if there's someone out there who can bring uh, the police and the people together um, at the table to discuss issues of police accountability um, and public safety, I think I'm the person who has, you know, a, a good chance of making that conversation. Did Did you think there was a problem with Portland policing prior to three weeks ago? Oh yes. Uh, uh, um, what did you communicate? What did you communicate to the police, the Portland Police Association, about that? Um, what we talked about is, uh, and it's the same thing I talk about everywhere, is uh, community policing, you know, and crime. Uh, I think I believe that is that police don't, do not um, prevent crime. Rather, they respond to crime. But what people really want are to live in safe communities. And I think if you're a cop, you know that, too. Uh, a lot of what our cops do is spend um, all day uh, chasing down 911 calls. Frankly, half of those calls are fundamentally about issues of um mental illness and poverty uh they see that the system doesn't work and they are looking for you know uh, um community leaders who will figure out and bring people together to talk about how we can do this better um and i've been doing that for years i think they see that you know i'm a smart guy they know i'm a constructive guy they also know i'm a pro-labor guy um and i think that's why they endorse me um i think that's the conversation that everyone is actually aching to have. Ironically, I don't think that, for example, the police chief or the protesters are on different sides. 
I think, you know, all Portlanders want this to work better. Um, and I want to bring Portlanders to better, together to make it work better. Earlier on, you mentioned some ideas about, uh, you had some ideas about restructuring the way the policing is operating right now. I am curious about that. But before getting there, I have to admit, be 100% honest, when I saw the uh, connection between you and the police, yep. there was a visceral, there was a very sure. instinctual, I understand. Uh, you know, thing that popped up was, like, oh, well, this can't work for me. Yeah. So I'm going to start there. What do you say to voters that may have seen that and their immediate response, especially voters of color, we have had very tumultuous relationships with the police department and we don't necessarily, we haven't in the past seen what appears to be, uh, you know, cops taking a knee and, and, and uh, kind of communicating that they are willing to listen. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a temporary uh, stay of, in the use of tear gas that was uh, reported, I believe, a day or two ago. But I spoke to protesters last night. Tear gas and rubber bullets were being used as of last night. It was still happening. So when we're talking about, you know, having trust and how do you address that? Sure. Well, um, let's let's talk about the use of tear gas and uh, uh, and the bullets. Um, obviously, that's unacceptable, especially the bullet thing. That's truly dangerous and shouldn't have happened. And if it did happen, that's, I think, a problem. Also, I point out that this is a matter of elected leadership. There is a police commissioner in town um, who should provide direction on this. Um, I think we need to have a I don't even think we need to have a community conversation on it. I think the rubber bullets are utterly unacceptable. I think the uh, tear gas is counterproductive. Um, there are elected leaders in Portland who can fix that and should fix that. I'm disappointed that does, hasn't happened yet. Um, but that's one of the things that, you know, when I talk to my friends who are on city council um, and in policymaking positions, you know, that's where I'm urging them to go. Um, and listen, I'm an African-American male, too. I'm 6'1", 250 with a shaved head. Like, there's, you know, there are not a lot of people in Portland who understand the problems surrounding uh, um, race and policing better than I do. I've lived this, you know, they say you have to have 10,000 hours to become an expert in something. I've been a black man for 50 years, so I have like a quarter million hours of being, you know, of practicing how to deal with racism and police. Um, and one of the things that I have learned is that if we want to make this work, we actually have to be constructive. Um, you know, we have to listen to each other. And that's what I have done throughout my entire career, is to try to bring people together to solve uh, um, the problems that matter to us most. There is no way to solve the problems of policing in Portland without having the police at the table. You know, which doesn't mean that uh, they get a veto, um, but if they're going to do the work of public safety, I believe we should honor the workers and have them at the table and talk about what the issues are. Okay. And I think if you talk about a police, if you talk to police, uh, um, if you talk to police in an honest, straightforward way, um, they return that to you and you can identify the problems. You know, the cops, uh, you know, the cops don't like what they're being asked to do either. They're frustrated with leadership. They don't, you know, people don't trust the police and the police don't trust their political leaders. You know, this is a recipe for disaster. This is why we have uh, um, two weeks of people out on the streets every night and, a, and, a, and an elected leadership that seems unable to resolve the problem. If you want change, you have to embrace change. I represent change. You know, there has been only three people on city council uh, who have ever looked like, oh no, two, people, two black men on city council. Uh, and those come from decades ago. And we face very different problems. If you want to sort of make um, policing responsive to uh, uh, the needs of African-Americans, I really think that one of the things you should do is have an African-American at the table. So just in the situation or example of the tear gassing, and I don't yeah. mean to harp on this, but yeah. trying, to, trying to understand where a breakdown of communication could happen or just a total disregard of orders could happen where this their tear gas could continue to be used. So I am not a member of law enforcement. I'm not a member of city government. I'm just a member of the public. And it was brought to my, you know, it came across my table, it was brought to my attention that tear gas is off the table. So if I know that, Am I to understand that somehow the message got lost and the officers that were out last night didn't know that or they're still using tear gas regardless of that information being out there? So I'm not asking because I'm not, you know, you're not right. in the squad room, you don't know what's going on, but <clears throat> you could, I'm sure you could understand what that communicates to the public and then how that would dovetail into 
what it would look like with you being attached to the police sure. in any capacity? Well, you know, this the answer to the tear gas is, is for the police commissioner, uh, who's the mayor, uh, uh, um, to place a clear order that we don't use tear gas against peaceful protesters. Um, and I think that message has been a little bit muddy. Um, I, I suspect the mayor is probably at his mom's funeral right now. Uh, um, and that might have some reason as to why um, this message has not been uh, communicated effectively. But I'll tell you, when I'm on city council, it will be communicated effectively. Uh, this is something that just needs to happen. What we're doing right now doesn't work. We're probably in our 13th day of nightly protest. Uh, you know, the last time I was down in uh, downtown, we had 16 blocks of the city uh, um, chained off. It's almost hard to imagine how um, the core, the heart of Portland can come back under these current circumstances got to get this right and part of getting this right is to uh stop using tear gas um and if there are rubber bullets out there i that is the first i've heard about that i'm upset about that I, it's my understanding that that's just flat out against policy but that's a screw up and there this is an example where we need to have police accountability should people care and and i should say like i made the argument myself that we would be better off i made the argument myself so i'm right. gonna, my, my glass house owns nary a stone I made the argument myself that we'll have a better chance of transforming the police bureau along on the same side of the table, approaching a common problem. Yeah. My view to some degree has not, I don't know that I disagree with that, but my view about how, how aggressive we might need to be with respect to public safety, shall we say in the last eight years has evolved. Should people care that you got that contribution from the police union? Um, I think they should look at it. I think they should think about it. I think the question is, what does it mean? Um, I think the meaning of that contribution is that I'm a guy who's been out there doing public safety work and been a, being a bridge builder and an innovative guy. I, I'm figuring out how we make communities safer, whether it's how we work with the houseless community, how we deal with the squatter houses, how we deal with you know the stolen cars. You know, if there's I, I think we ultimately know where we want to go. We want to go towards a model of community policing, where we kind of bring um, all the stakeholders in a hyper-local community together to figure out how we make each other safer. Um, that has been what I have done in Portland over many, many years. Um, that is kind of what the police endorsement is about. You know, that's also why, you know, that uh, the community college teachers uh, um, endorse me too. You know, um, I'm fundamentally about uh, drawing the people to the table uh, to have a constructive conversation about how we can make real change. And I need this change to happen, Jefferson. I'm a black man. The system that's out there doesn't work for me and it doesn't work for my kids who are in the basement either. You know, we gotta get this right. This is not a political you know, game. Uh, I, I, I gotta change the conversation. And what I'm trying to do is change it, is to change the conversation. And so when a black man brings the police to the table and the community to the table and say, hey, how can we reinvent public safety so it works better for everybody? I think that's a really good thing. And if you think that's a good thing too, I hope that you'll vote for Mingus Maps. Mingus, yeah. uh, there's been a national discussion about defunding the police department. Um, what does defunding mean to you? And do you think we should look towards make, taking some steps in that direction? Sure. Well, defunding is actually that's an interesting question. I think that that language scares the death out of a lot of people. I think what people are really saying when they talk about defunding um, the police, they're really talking about reinventing public safety, which is the thing that I've I've been talking about. You know, I think that the Portland Police Department has been doing a bunch of stuff that they just shouldn't be in the business of. They shouldn't be our cops. Shouldn't be our first responders for mental health issues or poverty issues. Now, we need to have different systems for that. And the fact that we use COP to that, for that is an indication that we haven't, we haven't kept up, we haven't continued to innovate as we've moved into the 21st century. You know, Port, a lot of our, our public safety system was really built around, and I remember, is it this because I was there, uh, um, it comes from this 80s moment. Um, and we're not in the 80s moment uh, anymore. You might remember how the uh, Hooper Detox got uh, um, shut down a little, or closed themselves down uh, a little bit ago. And one of the reasons why they did that or they closed themselves up. We'll keep it simple. Uh, um, one of the reasons why we see detox centers kind of getting out of the getting out of the business of um, of actually providing detox is that we get the people who are they're seeing are not people who are alcohol addicted. They're meth addicted, and that's a different, complete world. 
And what we haven't done is invented the tools and the systems and the bureaucracies to deal with the world that we have. Instead, every time we have a problem, we just go, a new problem that we're not prepared for, we kind of give it to the police. And the police have like two tools. They got a gun and they got a baton. And, you know, again, a baton has never solved mental illness. It has never fixed poverty. Uh, um, and, you know, frankly, if we're blaming, that's not necessarily entirely on the police. That's us as a community and policymakers who have failed to do the work that our community needs. And this campaign is about doing the hard work that this community needs. In terms of transformation, yeah. in terms of transforming the police bureau, right now more feels politically possible around yeah. transforming public safety than any time in my lifetime. Yep. It felt like enough in some, you know, questionnaire with an endorsing organization or in an interview like this one to be able to have a couple few talking points say well i think maybe we should change blank unit a little bit i think we should stop chokeholds we should use a slightly less toxic form of tear gas and right now minneapolis just voted to disband their police department we don't know what that means yet they're, they're going to have some version of public safety to be sure but there's a lot more that's possible now what's oh, yeah. the boldest what's the boldest mingus maps is willing to do willing to go as a city council with respect to transforming public safety? Oh, um, I'm willing and will go all the way. Um, you know, I can imagine when I, here, I'll let me tell you what I'm actually calling for. When there's a press release that we put out earlier this week, which called on city council uh, to halt its contract negotiations with the police union. Uh, one of the things I need, I think we need to do as a community is to, uh, take a pause and have a community-wide conversation about the kind of public safety system that we want. And then what I want us to do is to write the best of those ideas into the new police contract. You know, that means that we're not going to have a police contract in the next two weeks. That means it might be six months. It might be a year. Um, there are a couple of things that I specifically want um, out of that uh, contract, although there, there are lots of great ideas. You know, I think that, we, number one, we should stop making, uh, well, number one, I think we should have just a zero tolerance for racism in, in the way that policing is enforced. Um, I think we need to get the police out of the business of, of, um, of being our first responders for mental health issues. Um, and I think we should displace the police from um, the center of our public safety system. As Because as I said before, you know, police don't solve cr the prevent crime, they respond to crime. And I'm really into preventing crime. Um, by the time we have that conversation and implement those ideas, our police department, I guarantee you, will look fundamentally different. It will be much smaller. They will have a narrower range of services um, and responsibilities. Uh, we'll have a much stronger mental health system, uh, which will probably not be in the police department. Um, there'll be a much greater emphasis on crime prevention. Uh, um, so those are some of the changes that I think we need to make. Those are some of the changes that I will push to make. And those are some of the changes that I think are suddenly possible to, to make uh, um, thanks to um, all the folks who are out there um, on the streets every day. Um, so speaking of some of the changes, 18% of police officers live outside the city. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Should they live within the city limits? Um, I would like that. I think would actually make, um, make, I think would change the character of our police department. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, one of the things I've discovered is lots of um, city employees uh, actually don't live inside the city of Portland. I think that has something to do with the house, you know, the cost of housing in Portland. So um, I'd I'd love to make it possible so that the people of Port the people who serve Portlanders, our public servants, can actually live in our city. And I think one of the one of the failures of this current moment is that that's you know the people who. The helpers in our society can't afford to live in Portland anymore. That's a change. That's a problem we got. Do you think it's primarily money or do you think it's culture? I know cities are more expensive, but let's look at Detroit. Detroit said you can have a free house in Detroit if you live in the city. But so much of the culture, and this is why I think there is a broader discussion about not only like tweaking a few things here and there about police bureaus, but actually about creating new forces, trying to start from scratch. Because you got cultures that's like that don't fit in to the metropolitan areas where people are policing. I is there a cultural thing people need to be aware of? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy who's worked um, uh, directly with police officers a lot out in the community. Um, um, and there are cultural, you know, Portland's a tough town and uh, community organizing is kind of political, or at least it takes some social skills. Uh, um, 
And those are not necessarily skills that historically have been uh, promoted in uh, amongst police departments, including our own. Although I think there's some variation uh, there. We should be proud of the folks who have, you know, all the rank and file cops who, you know, made the effort to uh, uh, um, get to know the kids in the neighborhood. Uh, um, um, and then, you know, I, I think you raise a, a, a fundamentally important point. You know, fixing the police department is both um, a structural issue. And we're going to have to look to the contract and the code and statutes in terms of fixing that and a cultural issue. Uh, um, so we're going to talk about what have to talk about what policing means. And frankly, we're going to have to change it. I think a lot, you know, a lot of folks who got into policing got into it for the militaristic piece of it. Um, it's fun to carry a gun, right? It's fun. It, it can be fun to carry a gun and, you know, boss around, around and like drive fast and all of that. That's very 20, 20th century. Like, that's not how policing works now. And it shouldn't be, you know, that's one of the things we have to do. And have to actually have this conversation around the labor negotiation thing is to say, this is, you know, I know you, you, you know, you, we all grew up watching like 70s cop films, uh, um, but that's not how policing works today. Yeah. We're very much a social work. Exactly. Right? So, so let's dwell on that for a minute. Let's dwell on that for a minute. You've got this, uh, you've got this entire uh, superstructure. Right. This entire thinking, like all of us, you know, Starsky and Hutch, you name the show. Right. Yep. Uh, we have this whole superstructure of what we think policing is. And if you go in, I mean, I think I went to law school because I watched L.A. Law as a kid. Right. I'm not Man. throwing any stones. Oh. Right. But the, in, the, the, met, the lessons we get as kids impact how we think we're going to see in the world. And right. you say, OK, now you've seen all those things. It's like that, except it's not like that at all. We're going to do something totally different here. How much of it should happen within something called the Portland Police Bureau? How much of that change should happen there versus how much should we try to grow a third force or a combined force that combines some of, by the way, this isn't just police. This is fire too, right? Fire now is 3% house fires. It is mostly a healthcare organization, yeah. right? But we're still dealing with all of that superstructure, all of those TV shows and commercials, everything else. So it does that. Should we do that primarily within the agencies and institutions that exist? Or should we try to build new types of agencies, institutions alongside them? Uh, both. Yes, and both. You know, I think we have to change the culture within the police department. That's key and core. Um, at the same time, you know, part of the solution is to develop a, is to develop the programs uh, and institutions that don't exist yet. You know, we don't really have the institutions to deal with the mental health problems that we see out on the streets. We don't have the adequate institutions to deal with the drug addiction problems we see out on the street. We don't have the policy solutions to deal with the poverty that uh, um, pervades our community. Uh, so we need to build new things. Uh, and, and one of the instincts we need to get out of is to go, well, we have this new problem. We don't really have a solution for it. So we'll hand it to the police. So that instinct needs to change. And, you know, frankly, the police, the folks who remain in the police department, there is going to be this choice that I think will happen frankly, at the contract negotiations where, uh, um, you know, uh, the model of policing and the profile of a police officer just isn't going to be what it was in the 70s. You know, you're going to be a problem solver. You're going to be a community organizer. Uh, um, this is not about bumping people over the head with bats and driving fast on, you know, city street. That's, that's obsolete and unproductive. Absolutely. A top Trump official uh, said that systemic racism doesn't exist. We're over it. We're, we're, we're post-racial. <laughs> post As we're addressing that, where does the city need to show up differently? Oh, sure. Um, well, I, literally, I think part of the role of government in the 21st century is to systematically um, disassemble um, or dismantle institutional racism and the effects of institutional racism. That's why I'm very focused on issues like um, education, housing, employment, and frankly, policing. You know, if you want to um, empower a brown kid, you know, one of the most efficient ways you can do that is to um, make sure that kid gets a good education. Um, and if you want to um, empower uh, a brown adult, one of the best ways you can do that is to uh, make sure that person has, you know, a family wage job. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a labor guy. Uh, um, um, the other thing that I think is, is true, um, and especially true in Portland, is that every Portlander should have, um, should be able to afford a place to live in our city. We just talked about this in the context of, you know, public servants who can't afford to live in Portland. But, you know, not only should you be able to afford to rent in Portland, I think 
particularly people of color need to be able to buy in Portland. A lot of the institutional racism and the wealth inequality that we see in Portland is fundamentally driven by the fact that uh, African Americans and other people of color are much less likely to own a home. You know, that's one of the ways in which we uh, 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 um, uh, balance the scales. And I think the other thing that we really need to do is to, as we have mentioned many times already in this conversation, is to fix the policing police department. A thing that people forget, uh, um, and I want to remind you of, is when police departments fail, uh, um, African Americans and people of color get hurt. It's very important that we we fix the police department because when it doesn't work, you know, it's probably not going to be the people up in the West Hills who are uh, uh, um, most directly and most lethally impacted. It's going to be the people who live east of 82nd and the people who look like me. If we're going to have a fair society, we got to fix this, and it means that fixing the police department means, you know, having a zero tolerance for uh, racism, and frankly, getting them out of the business of things they just shouldn't be in, like being our first responders for uh, the mentally ill. Uh, um, I think if we make these changes, uh, we can make a big difference in terms of the wealth and political uh, um, gaps that we have here. Also, frankly, I think it's worth pointing out that like representation matters. And if you want to deal with um, and reduce inequality in America and in Portland, it's important to have people of color at the table. You mentioned uh, fixing the police department a couple times, that phrase. And I'm sure that there are some that would argue that there is absolutely nothing wrong with the police department. Based on your affiliations and some of the conversations you've been having, before this, and I'm sure as all this is playing out, um, what's some of the pushback that you've been getting with regards sure. to police reform? Well, I would say, um, first, um, I literally don't know anyone who says that there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Hmm. Even the police, you talk to the uh, uh, sort of the, you know, the low level, you know, the black kids on the street, you talk to cops, you talk to people who actually run the police department, you talk to elected officials, no one is under the impression that the police department is uh, uh, um, going well. Uh, pushback, the question is, what is the problem uh, with the police department? Actually, this thing I've talked about where, you know, trying to take the mental health piece uh, um, and the poverty piece away from the police department, uh, um, I think there's consensus on that. Um, on the police accountability thing, I, and this is, I think, the question that everyone wants, uh, or is, everyone is trying to ask, you know, when I talk to uh, the police department uh, about accountability issues and I push them on that, they say, listen, Mingus, um, our accountability systems are, you know, amongst the best in the nation. Um, and the problem is we don't follow the systems well enough. And then when I talk to my, uh, um, my friends who are police reformers, they say, um, the system is broken and it doesn't work, it's toothless and it's uh, not transparent enough. And I suspect there's probably some truth uh, to, both, to both of these things. You know, I think that we need to uh, uh, both take a look at this work that the police department actually does. I think we need to make sure as a principle uh, um, that when we hold police accountable, that the process is transparent and we follow the rules. And at the same time, I do not at all believe that the systems that we have in place to ensure police accountability are the best in the nation. And until they're the best in the nation, our work as elected officials are just not done. Let me ask this then. A supermajority of voters voted for a candidate other than Chloe Udaly in the primary. She still came in first. Chloe beat Steve Novick based on, I would argue, an anti-Steve vote. I think some of those votes were sort of unfair. I think even some of that was based on a street fee where he showed courage that other politicians had said they had but lacked. Year after year, people would run and say, yeah, we're going to push for a street fee to help you folks, and then wouldn't do it because folks, they, they fear the political blowback. Steve suffered the political blowback. Chloe is now seeing the challenge or, you know, of potentially having one based on the anti-vote of somebody else. What do we have to do or what do you have to do to make sure this is a race of being for stuff, not just a race of being the affable person of color, black candidate alternative to Chloe Daly? Sure. Well, you know, um, what I think we need to do is to embrace change. I interpret my, our election victory as um, a rejection of the past, a rejection of the status quo, and, and an embrace of the future. 
I think I'm the future focused candidate here. Um, I think people have um, embraced my campaign because, you know, I'm the guy who I was talking about community safety and reinventing government um, before it was cool. Uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time talking about the needs to uh, reinvent uh, community policing, uh, to empower people, to bring people to the table. Um, I'm also the guy who's been talking about uh, the fact that representation matters. That's why I want to change the way we elect members of city council so that instead of electing everyone at large, we elect members uh, through um, neighborhood-based electoral districts. So we have uh, voices from all corners of the city represented in city council chambers. And I'm the guy who's been arguing for hiring a city manager to coordinate services across different uh, city bureaus. You know, I think what people feel and see is that local government in Portland isn't working. And what they're hungry for is a candidate who has a vision and the background to actually make fundamental change. And you know, the fact that I'm affable is great because I one of the one of the problems with this moment is that we are divisive. We are not listening to each other. We do not love each other, and we are not engaging constructively. Mingus, what does it mean to be a labor guy? What does it mean to be a labor guy? Actually, this is a really important question. Um, at a big picture, I think one of my um, challenges and duties on city council is to fundamentally reinvent our economy. I think our economy right now produces um, too much poverty and too much pollution. How do we fix that? Well, um, on the poverty side, I think one of the ways we fix it is by embracing labor. Um, you know, I believe that people have the right to organize. I think that actually when labor works well, um, it makes everybody, it makes the work actually work better. You know, I, I have been a supervisor in the city of Portland. And the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that most people who do the work of, um, uh, of the city are in unions. Uh, a lot of being, you know, a responsible manager over at the city is figuring out how to uh, constructively work with, uh, with labor. I've worked hard to do that. I think that's one of the ways uh, I got into this race. Uh, and one of the reasons why labor folk kind of like me is they've actually seen me uh, um, you know, at the table trying to hash out difficult, difficult, difficult uh, issues in a way that, you know, frankly, brought a lot of integrity to the process. That's not something that always happens in city government. Um, um, I think that, uh, you know, wages should provide people with living, you know, enough money to live, especially live in the city of Portland. Um, I think that's an important part of it. And then the other part of it is that, you know, in addition, as we reinvent the, the economy, and I think labor should be at the table as we reinvent the economy, uh, one of the directions we need to go in is an economy that uh, is fundamentally greener and cleaner. So that's, that's part of my vision. In fact, it's central to my vision. Is there anywhere that labor is ever wrong? Oh, we're all wrong. Um, all the time, but you know, uh, one of the things that I think is important for is for people to come together and represent, you know, represent their interests and have a convert, you know, have constructive conversations. You know, I've had very difficult. I, I, when I was with the city of Portland, I was management, so part of my job was to actually sit across the table from members of labor and you know hatch out whatever this issue of the day might be, whether it's mm. whether it's a matter of was I or the city fair to a particular employee, or frankly, as we as the city wants to maybe fundamentally reimagine how we do some work, uh, uh, um, you know, often labor would feel, feel threatened by that. Um, a thing that I think uh, is true is number one, we negotiate these labor contracts and I think we got to take them seriously. You know, if you respect workers, you know, <laughs> I don't see how you don't respect uh, um, labor. This is just kind of a thing, but yeah, you know, um, it's also fundamentally the job of unions to, you know, represent the interests of their people and to fight really hard. And that's one of the things that the cops do. They're a labor union, they fight really hard uh, for their people. You know, often they're way over the top and you know, that's part of the culture of that particular union. On the other hand, um, you know, every union fights hard for their people or should fight hard for their people. And frankly, uh, um, there's some unions out there that I think could fight harder uh, um, for their folk and should fight harder for their folk. And I, when I'm on council, I'll try to empower them to do that. There are issues of personality. There are issues of management and leadership. There, there are issues of affability, potentially. Yeah. There are issues of representation. Yeah. And I definitely want us to have a chance to talk again, you know, yeah. and, and maybe even twice before, so people can really understand. This is a critical, critical time for the city, right? We have a chance to sh oh, reshape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll come on every week. Yeah, we have a chance <laughs> to reshape the, uh, the city council. 
but setting aside or and setting aside some of those you know important relevant areas of discussion where are the most important specific places that you and chloe you daily diverge in your vision for the city oh well sure well there are many 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 um what are three most important you can even pick one but what are three most important sure uh you uh, for at, at this moment commissioner you daily has um has uh basically um it's been in the process of dismantling the city's crime prevention program. I think that's exactly the wrong step for this moment in time. I think a lot of the reasons why people are protesting out in the streets is because we aren't taking a crime prevention approach to public safety. I also think that Portland is fundamentally, um, or let's put it this way, I don't understand Commissioner Udaley's war against neighborhoods. Uh, uh, um, you know, I'm a community organizer guy. I've done, you know, many many neighborhood association events and street fairs and movies in the park and uh graffiti cleanups uh, i think that uh neighbors and neighborhoods are part of the solution they're not part of the problem um and also i just have some i i'm not at all convinced uh based on what i see in terms of um the actual affordability of housing in portland that her policies around bringing affordable housing to portland have actually worked I think actually in many ways her policies have actually are undermining our ability. For instance. For instance. So for instance, one of the things that I hear all the time are these little mom and pop landlords, people who maybe have one extra house that they rent. Let's say grandma died and you get that house uh, um, and you rent it out at a cheap rate. Um, city has, has uh, tacked on um, new uh, fees and red tape that make it literally make it impossible for just your, average person to have an, an extra house and rent it out. So what happens? Uh, people in this situation uh, are now selling those sort of small little uh, single family homes that have been around for a long time. A developer probably from out of state, maybe even out of the country, buys it, knocks it down, and instead of uh, uh, instead of having one, it puts up uh, two condos, right? Uh, so we replace one affordable uh, um, single family unit with two unaffordable condos. And that's the story of Portland right now. And, you know, so the you know, those, those new housing is not affordable to people. And even the dollars that are generated by building that new housing don't stay in the state. I don't think it's working. Mingus, uh, we're working on our teaching. Our, we do this every year on Juneteenth. Um, a whole day focused on issues and lesson, lessons of racial justice. Great. Uh, what are some ideas or some areas you think we should focus on this year? Oh, well, obviously policing is, you know, at the, at the forefront. Uh, um, I think we need to talk about that. I think that a thing that people need to educate themselves on and we need to think about are, you know, especially the systemic side of racism. Um, I think lots of white people are kind of discovering that, gosh, bad things just happen to black people a lot. You know, both mm -hmm. they get beat by police and they're most likely to die of COVID. What's that about? Uh, and there, it's about something. It's about systemic racism. It's about the access to, to opportunity. It's about uh, the unrelenting pressure of just being a person of color uh, uh, um, in this society. Um, so I think those are some of the conversations that we need to have. I also think that everyone um, has something to give. So I hope that you'll talk to uh, the people. I hope, number one, you invite me. And number two, um, I hope we have a conversation about how we can build a better Portland, you know, uh, um, how we can make a city that... Um, people who look like me and you um, feel like we are full citizenship, you know, full citizens. That's kind of part of what I'm doing here is to uh, remind people, including myself, that I am a citizen. I don't have to um, just be frustrated. I can actually do something. And I want my kids to do something. And I want the kids in the neighborhood to see me do something. And if I, if that's the kind of culture I create, um, I think over time, we're going to have a better society. Any other key issues that you fear, or maybe not fear, maybe not frustrated by, want to make sure don't get covered over or missed? Anything that, given the fact that campaigning is different during COVID-19, the fact that we're dealing with overlapping moral and public health crises right. uh, uh, simultaneously, uh, Anything you want to make sure the next time that we talk or we have a chance to talk again to Commissioner Udaley that we drill into more than we otherwise might have? Sure. Well, I think that the broad thing that I, you know, I want to remind everybody that we're all in this boat together. You know, Portland um, rises and falls. We all, you know, uh, if Portland succeeds, 
Portland doesn't succeed unless we all succeed. Uh, um, no one has all the answers. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm running is because I know what I don't know and I'm humble enough to ask, you know, to be educated. Uh, um, um, we face a thing that I think that people may not fully appreciate is we are at an incredibly delicate moment in our history. As I said, we have this pandemic uh, um, uh, resting on our neck. Uh, our economy is shut down. Uh, our school, my kids haven't been to school and haven't actually even played with other kids for about three months now. Uh, we are suddenly, you know, uh, as a city seeing the problems with um, uh, our public safety system. Um, there, this is not about just electing Mengus and having it all be better. Uh, this is about bringing everyone together to talk about the city that we want to have and working constructively together to build that city. Um, I want to encourage people to remain engaged. One of the things that really concerns me um, about Portland in particular and America in general is the lack of faith in government. If we can't restore that, I don't know how we actually fix the problems. Speaking to the lack of faith in government, um, yeah. one of the things that I loved about Portland when I moved here is uh, all the small businesses, all the mom and pop yeah. situations at different levels, whether that was, you know, clothing stores, tons of restaurants, venues. What, what advice do you have specifically? Because I want to, you know, head back to the music Portland conversation yeah. real quick. What advice do you have for venues that are looking for the proper way to navigate going into these next couple of phases? We have situations where, you know, uh, limiting the amount of people you can have in the venue doesn't necessarily make sense in the way of being able to meet your bottom lines, you know? Um, absolutely. And this is actually something I care about a lot and scares me to death. Because uh, uh, um, the situation, the world has changed. Like, it's not going to be, I think things are starting to open reopen tomorrow uh, um, here in Portland. Uh, but we're not going back to the world we knew three months ago. Right. Um, so we're going to have to invent uh, what the new normal is. Um, I talk to, I spend hours and hours and hours on the phone every day talking to Portlanders uh, uh, um, in all types of businesses. Um, if I were to offer you um, a small business owner, any advice it would be to, you know, talk to other small business owners and the institutions that are trying to sort of help people like you navigate this moment. I can listen to people and see that some folks are figuring it out and some folks I think are flailing and frankly will not figure it out unless they get some support. But the city needs to provide that support. I think people also need to be ready to change, you know, um, as I just kind of check in on businesses and people, I think that if you're not able to um, figure out how to make the internet work for you, um, you're going to have an awfully hard time. And as a city, I think that one of the things we need to do is to look at how we can support uh, small businesses. So I'm all for, uh, um, you know, letting restaurants uh, uh, move some tables out onto the streets. I'm for uh, 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 maybe moving some things into that. We're talking about some interesting experiments about having kind of like boulevards where we have you can dine in the street i think that's an interesting idea um, i've done a lot of street periods too and i know that there's a lot more planning that needs to be done around that that actually has been done around that um, but the most important thing is to like look for some technical advice there is some aid out there both at the federal state and local level figure out how to tap into that um, you're gonna have to reinvent your business model uh, and just lean into it one of the things that really scares me um, that the people who are flailing or the businesses that are flailing, but still kind of sticking with it. You know, I think that if you, if you don't make change soon, uh, you're just going to go, you're going to lose a lot of money and, you know, lose this thing that you built. So don't be afraid to embrace change. I think that I would say, and ask for help, you know, especially if it's hard, ask for help. It, it is about time for us to wrap. Okay. I, I know that one of my, and I, and i eager to do this again me too i know that my um i have had a critique that the media tends to be fight promoters because fights get clicks and fights get eyeballs it is useful and important to get to the hard part to avoid merely pablum and happy talk and get to what actually is going on the decision points and where actually the choice lies right and one occasionally can be disguised as the other. Yeah. 
And I want to have that in our minds in our future conversations. But for now, let me just finish with this question. Where is a place that Chloe Udaly is getting a bad rap? Where is a place where there's a critique that you think is unfair? And if you think there's a, a critique of you that's unfair, feel free to offer that too. But I at least want to hear about something you think is unfair that people are saying about Chloe. Oh, sure. Um, and uh, I don't matter here, you know, I, I, I could list a hundred things that happened today that feel unfair to me. Uh, but I actually, I, I want people to actually know this and hear this. Um, I like Commissioner Udaly. I respect Commissioner Udaly. I respect the values that she brings to politics. I think she, she probably does get a bad rap uh, um, or gets treated unfairly, frankly, because of her gender. Um, I think she also gets treated uh, uh, poorly because she's um, not affable all the time. Um, and frankly, this is the, the job she has is super tough. I can understand why you might not be chipper every day. Uh, uh, um, so what I try to do is to uh, honor her, her humanity. Um, I try to hear what she's trying to say. Um, and then I also try to evaluate it. You know, um, you know, I, there are not a lot of places where we, I think, Chloe and I, uh, or you, Commissioner Udaly and I fundamentally disagree on values, but I think that um, Udaly doesn't have a strong evaluation component to anything that she does. Um, and sometimes when you do stuff and it doesn't work, you got to actually ask the question, is this working? And if it's not working, you got to change. Um, so, you know, I, I wish her the best uh, and really more, especially, I know you've done something like this before, Jefferson, uh, uh, so you know how tough it is. And uh, certainly being on the campaign trail, it just infinitely increases my empathy for everyone who's had the courage to throw their hat into the ring. It is um, truly a life transforming experience. But within that, we all remain human. You know, I've never felt closer. I, ironically, the people I uh, have, I feel most close to over the last couple of months are, you know, the candidates I've met on the campaign trail. You know, even candidates who've run against me. Yeah, uh, you're going through a, you're going through a shared experience. Oh yeah, I mean, no one knows what you know. No one knows what my life has been like uh, more so than like Sam Adams uh, because we've been out there. In fact, we kind of became a little kind of buddies out on the campaign trail, sort of doing our debates and whatnot. Uh, so it's a human in, it's a human endeavor. One of the things I try to remember is that these people are not uh, my enemies. They're um, we are both pulling in the same direction. Uh, we want to help. We're on the same team. Uh, uh, um, and as a leader, I try to do that. And I hope that uh, all Portlanders remember that ultimately we love our city. We want to build that city. Loyal listeners, thank you for your time. Mingus Maps is running for city council position four. You can find out more at Mingus Maps, that's with two P's, dot com. Mingus, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Man. Thank you, Ambush. Thank you, Jefferson. Thank you, man. Stay well. Likewise. Likewise. Too.